0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. It's also hot. All right. Well, can I? Is this? Yeah. Wow. Dang, you guys are very nice here. My church does never do that. They don't ever give me any water. So, yeah, my name's Luke Garrity, and uh, I pastor in Wisconsin, home of the world-famous Green Bay Packers. I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. It's a great way to build rapport with the congregation in Chicago, I feel like. All right. Well, um, yeah, so uh, I'm married. I, uh, my wife, is. her name is Dawn, and there's actually a picture up there. Uh, we have five kids, five kids. And so if this sermon is really crappy, I have cute kids, and I have a nice wife, so just kind of give me some grace, right? And, uh, but yeah, I've been the lead pastor of a church in Wisconsin for about uh, nine years now. And uh, I know Gino, and uh, you guys are so blessed with Gino. I hope you, you know that. Do you know that? He is just a gift. He, and, and the thing is, though, I was actually in Florida with him last week. Um, my wife likes to call those trips when you go on, on you know, like, uh, I guess church trips. She calls them vacations because they're away from the kids. But uh, I was with uh, Gino, and Gino actually has been invited to be a part of the executive team of the vineyard. I don't know. You, you probably know that. Did you know that? Is that common? Some of you know that. He's like a big shot now. He really is, and he's just like the most humble, gracious man. I just love that, and I love the fact that, that he now has influence in our movement. That is just such a great thing. Um, but I'm also part of a of a partnership in the vineyard called Small Town USA. So uh, I live in a town um, of 1,600 people. J- why are you laughing at that? That's like that's like huge for us. All right, that's like. And, and so what I'm doing right now is I'm working with other vineyard churches uh, and other people who are interested in planting churches in small towns because as much as Jesus loves the people of the Chicago area, and he does, right? He does, but he also loves people in small towns. And what I found is that if there's people there, there's a need for a church. That's what we believe. So that's one of my passions and one of the things that I'm working on in the vineyard. Uh, so I live in a small town and I love it. Um, But it's nice to come down to Chicago and just to get reminded of why I moved to Wisconsin. (laughs) It's like, oh, so many people here. Oh, they're driving crazy and things like that. So anyway, today I want to talk about uh, God's mission and and how our testimony fits into that. And actually, I want to talk specifically about practical ways for you to get on board with God's mission of making himself known um, and so what I want to do is I want to read a little bit of Scripture, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be reading from Colossians chapter 4. And so you can go ahead and turn to Colossians 4. And actually, while you're, while you're turning there to Colossians 4, I'm going to go ahead and just pray. And let's just invite the Holy Spirit to, to be present with us, not because he's not, but because we want to acknowledge that we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need his presence. So let's just do that. Um, Father, we just ask that your Spirit would come right now, and would begin to speak to our hearts and would also um, remind us of of the goodness that you have given to us, Lord, to remind us of your faithfulness. And, Father, I pray that today, Lord, as we are hearing from your word, that you'd stir our hearts in a way that would go beyond just, just thinking but would move into action. And we thank you that you have given us your spirit. We just welcome you here today, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, make us hungry for your presence. Give us, right now, Lord, just remind us of how much you love us. And so, before we, um, before we actually read the passage, I just want to just tell you, um, I was here last July. I just want to share this with you real quick. I was here last July. My wife and, and my kids. We had the opportunity to come and. Just visit your church. And we sat in the back, and I was, like, blown away by what God's doing here. It was just like, you you are, a, are a, a gift to the vineyard, and I hope you know that. Like, I pray for you all the time, and I'm always like, man, I wish I lived down there, because I would go to that church, and then Gina could be my pastor, and he'd fix me, and it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be great. But God is doing so many great things here, and I'm just so delighted to, to see that God is uniting people from all different ethnic backgrounds and men and women and young people, and he's united them around Jesus and the kingdom. And I think that is just really exciting. Do you guys agree with me? Like, that's just beautiful. I think that's beautiful. It's a picture of heaven, really, if we, if we stop and think about it. But Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So I want to start by just asking a question, actually two questions. What is our mission? What is our mission as a church? Or maybe another way to look at it is why do we exist? So to make it personal, why do you exist? What is, what is the mission that God has called you to be a part of? And, and, and actually, let's maybe change the way that we would ask that question. And rather than asking what is our mission, I think it's best to ask ourselves what is God's mission? What is God's mission for South Suburban Vineyard Church? And, 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 and what is God's purpose and intention for this, this congregation? And I'll make it really simple. Here's what I think. I think God's mission is really, really quite simple. When you read Genesis to Revelation, you actually get one predominant theme throughout all of Scripture. Because it's interesting, as you as you, uh, ha- a passionate a church and as you're starting ministries, have you ever had the, the like, just you're your brainstorming, you have ideas about what your mission's going to be? Like, for instance... Uh, We have a ministry in our church called Fruit of the Vine. It's a food pantry. And their mission is to feed people. That's it. Like, they want to be the hands and feet of Jesus and feed people. And that's that's great. But what is God's mission? Let's make it really simple. God's mission is to make himself known. God's mission is to make himself known. He wants to make himself loved, honored, worshipped. And if you just really get to know God, you'll start to understand why that's a great mission. Because he is worthy of love. He is worthy of honor. He is worthy of praise. And we want everybody to know Jesus, right? Because he's good. He's faithful. He's worthy of everything. And, and and so what this does for us, if you stop and think about it, it just starts to paint a picture for us in how we approach the world around us. For instance, the whole world is the goal of God's mission. All right, The whole world is the goal of God's mission. Every human being in all of God's... Earth is his mission, right? Everybody, black, white, brown, yellow, green. If you're green, I don't know where you're from. That's weird. But hey, God has a plan for you, right? And he loves you and gets some medicine. Uh, but Acts 1 8, Acts 1 8 says, uh, you know, when, when when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's been crucified and now he's in the process of moving. He's been resurrected, and he's he's on his way to, to the ascension. But before the ascension, he actually meets with his disciples, and he says, but you, the Holy Spirit will come on you. You'll receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And he starts out by saying Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when we talk about the, the goal of God's mission, it's the whole world, okay? But it also means the whole world is the scope of God's mission. Psalm 24, 1 says that, Everything that is in this world is God's. Everything is his. Right? The earth is the Lord's and all of the fullness therein. And the whole world is the arena of God's mission, and that's Matthew 28. Right? Go and make disciples of all nations. You guys all know the verse, right? So just, just connect with that for a minute. What is God's mission and what is God's God's plan for you in this community is to make him known. That's really what, what we're called to do. And so the way I like to look at that is that all the activities and practices and ministries and things that we do, they all fit into this primary mission uh, that God has of, of making himself known. And so we exist to, to know God and to make him known. Now, I want to just talk for a few minutes about this whole knowing God because, um, you know, so a few years ago I was, uh, I've been pastoring for about seven, or no, I, I think I've been pastoring about seven or eight years, yeah. Um, I was kind of burnt out and just really dry. Has anybody ever had one of those seasons of life that just goes on and on and on and it's hard right and and i and i was spending some time talking to people about it and and i had some friends that kept reminding me like hey when you get into that season you need to just draw close to god but what i found over the years is that our natural inclination when we go into dry seasons actually go the opposite direction right we actually isolate ourselves from god and from other people that's just what we do because we suck i don't can you say that here i don't know but Questionable, questionable, but but it's true. I'm from Wisconsin, so just blame it on the Packers, all right? That's just just what you do. But we're broken people, and so oftentimes we go the exact opposite direction of of what God wants for us to do. And so as I was going through the season of uh, of just really frustrated with just life in general, um, I was a pastor who hated people at the time, and I think that's probably bad. I'm not positive sometimes about that, but I was really, really frustrated with life. And so I went into my office one day, and I just was like, all right, God, I, I need some help here. And, and the Lord just showed up in such a good and gracious way. And I, I sensed his presence. He began to just speak to me about how much he loved me, ironically, and how much he, he really was proud of me. And I just was so overwhelmed with his love. I was, uh, you know, weeping and just broken in that moment. And what I learned in that moment, in that time, is that we need to draw back to that, like, first love. If we want to be involved in the mission of God, we have, to have, we have to have personal intimacy with God. We have to know Him. We can't make Him known if we don't know Him personally. Here's, here's the good news, folks Jesus loves you so deeply that you'll never ever fully comprehend how great that love is on this side of eternity. He loves you. He loves you, He loves you, He loves you. He, 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 he wants to have a deep relationship with you, He wants you to know Him. And so if our heart and our desire is to connect with God's mission of making Him known, we have to know Him first, right? Because the way that ministry happens or mission happens is that it's overflow from the things that God's doing inside of us. So let me just start right now. If you are not at a place where that's what your, your primary um, operator or operation comes from, is that you need to get that right, right? You need to back up and take a moment and just get right with God and just connect with Him. Let me, let me just share a scripture with you. This is Jeremiah chapter 9. I love this. The prophet Jeremiah is prophesying. He says, This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth so that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. What are you boasting in? What are you boasting in? We should be boasting in the fact that we know him, right? We are people who, are, who know him and who are known by God. And that is that's just so great, to know that he knows us and he loves us. In fact, Jesus um, basically says similar statement in John chapter 17, verse 3, when he says, and this is the way to eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the only, the one you sent to earth. So it starts with knowledge of him. And let's just for a minute here, just think about that. Just personally, if you need to close your eyes, that's help, that helps me sometimes. Just to think about God's great love for you. And how much he loves you. And how much he wants you to know him deeper and deeper. And, and Father, I just pray right now for everybody in here that we would just long to know you more the bottom line is this um, we have a tremendous calling and mission I mean making God known I just as I was driving uh, yesterday well I wasn't really driving I was in the back seat but as we were driving into you know, like we hit Madison, and then you, it, from Madison on, it's just city, city, it just seems like there's just people, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of people down here, and the reality is that most people down here probably don't know Jesus, right? And so you have this tremendous gathering of people all around you that, that need deeply to experience the, the love of God, they need to, because God's love transforms our lives, Right? And so it can be kind of overwhelming when you think about it, you know. In fact, uh, Ramon and I were just talking about just maps, you know, and how you can look at a map and just there's literally like millions of people around. And there's millions of people that don't know Jesus. And and if we want to make a missional, you know, a missional, I guess, crack into that community, it's going to take that we are flowing out of deep intimacy with God, right? How can you ever tell somebody about God's love if you've never first experienced it? Right? How can you ever really encourage people to come to Jesus as a, as a source of life if you've never experienced the, the life that he, he gives? And so that's why it's so important that we, we start there. Like the mission is to make him known, but to, before we go and make him known, we got to know him, right? And so I want to encourage you right there. That's why, that's why we gather together. We gather together to, to, to know him better, to know him better deeper into to spend time reading scripture and in prayer because that's how God transforms us. So that's the mission. Now, the mission is to make him known. That is what God has called this church, this community of the kingdom to be a part. And I'm excited because I see you guys doing it. That's what encourages me. I came down you know last July and I was like, man, they are doing the stuff. Like, you are so intentional as a congregation to do this. And that's really inspiring for me as a pastor. Like, okay, taking notes. <laughs> Gino, how do you do this? Gino, will you please be my pastor? Move to Wisconsin. No? Okay. But here's a question for us, too. How does your story, though, because God's, God's mission is to make, him know, make himself known, and we're called to make him known. But the question that I want to talk about for just a few more minutes is, how does your story fit into God's story? How does your story fit into the mission of God? Okay? Because here's the common... So, you know, I've been pastoring for, for about 10 years now, and before that, I, I, uh, I was doing ministry for a long time, and uh, actually, I used to come to Chicago a lot. Does anybody here, anybody like to guess why I used to come to Chicago a lot? Because, what? <laughs> to- <laughs> Watch the Bears. No. What else? What's, what is, let's have some guesses. Why did I used to come to Chicago? I'd love to see if you guys can guess. Food, I did like the food, and what was it? No, not Moody Bible College. Sorry, Uh, no, (laughs) they would not take me. I think because of these, I don't know. Uh, So here's why I used to come to Chicago. I used to be a full-time rapper. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's no, no. I was an underground MC. I'm serious. A demo? I don't freestyle. I paid style. Just kidding. No, I I actually. I. Yeah. I should never have said anything. Yeah. Why are we even talking about this right now? But I used to come to Chicago for that purpose. I I actually used to tour a lot, and and so we used to come to Chicago. I lived in Minneapolis, and so we'd come to Chicago all the time. And and what I what I uh, found uh, through. Through my life was this, though. So just real quick, my quick story is I grew up in the church. i have been in the vineyard movement for a long time. Um, And when I was uh, 14, 15 years old, my family moved to Denver. And that's where I got introduced to hip-hop. And, um, like, I'm talking about classic, okay? Anybody know KRS-One, Public Enemy? Yeah, I mean, like, the good stuff back in the day. And it was like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, and I just got into it and then started trying to trying to rap as a 13- or 14-year-old, you know, with all my friends. And then it just, as time went on, I started doing it more and going to open mics and, and all that type of stuff. And, um, and then I, I moved to California when we got, I got signed to a label with the group, and we were touring and all that type of stuff. And the whole time I was trying to figure out how I could be living as, you know, whatever I was doing and how that fit into God's mission. I just didn't see the connectivity, okay? And then I, I got married, And my wife said, no more rapping for you. Because she's like, I don't know, like a 40-year-old rapper, this is not going to work for me. And I was like, but that's going to be cool. And she said, no. And we had kids. And rappers don't make a lot of money normally. And uh, so we just kind of started trying to figure things out. And then the Lord started speaking to us about going into ministry. Because I had had been going to Bible college off and on here and there. And I was like, ministry? I, I don't like people. People are annoying, they talk, they have like opinions and things, and they smell funny, all that type of stuff. And then the Lord has us, um, call, calls us to go plant a church, we start pa- pastoring a church, and then I, as I'm a year into it, I'm like, I guess I got to like, like people now, this is like, what is going on here? And this whole entire time, I've had these questions about how does my story fit into God's mission? I mean, even as a pastor, I ask that question sometimes. So, does anybody else feel that way? Sometimes you're just not sure. How do I get in? Is there anybody that just feels that way? How do I fit in as a housewife? Or, not that I'm a housewife, just be really clear there. I, moving on. How can, I, how can I fit in as a student or as, as a, a dude who, who, who works at Pizza Hut or whatever? How can I fit into God's mission? Let me, let me tell you. Okay? You just do. You do. You're part of the story. That's the great news is that everybody here in this room right now is part of God's story. And it's like God is weaving this beautiful tapestry of different stories together ultimately for the glory of God. You fit in. So whatever you're doing, whether you're a rapper or a, you know, whatever, you, you can be a part of his story. Because we can all make God known. We can all deeply know him and we can all make God known. So how you fit in the story is that you are part of the great cloud of witnesses. That is the best news that I can even offer you this morning is that you're not alone. In addition to the fact that you have the Holy Spirit who indwells all followers of Jesus, you also have people from every tribe, tongue, and nation throughout history that are part of the family. Right? It's, it's a beautiful thing. In fact, one of my favorite things is going to vineyard churches and connecting with vineyard people, not just vineyard people, but that's what happens oftentimes. And just it's like there's connectivity there, right? Because we have something in common. We have someone in common. And we have a kingdom in common. It's really great. I love it. So how does your story fit in the mission of God? It just does. So so basically that's my introduction. You guys ready for the sermon now? All right, let's go. So I want to talk about four practical ways to create opportunities To share your story within God's story, I want to make this super practical because, again, what I what I envision for this congregation as I as I pray and as I think about what God's doing here is, I think that you are a missional outpost of the kingdom. You're called to be a community of the kingdom, and you're called to make a difference in the community around you. And slowly but surely, God's kingdom is breaking in to this community. And, right, and people are starting to hear about the love of God. They're hearing about Jesus and the cross, and they're hearing about the power of the resurrection, and that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also indwells his followers. And it's good news, right? So it's really a part of, part of this desire to see that happen more. But here's some practical ways to create some opportunities, because as we're talking about story and how your story fits into it, we have to have opportunities to share our story, Right? I mean, because it's kind of weird when you just walk up to somebody on the street, and you say, hey, this is my testimony, and you tell them a weird testimony, and they're like, all right, that's weird, right? It's just, why are you talking to me? I'm trying to go to work. I was in L.A. Uh, a few years ago, and I was just walking on the street, and, and I was just, you know, looking like me, and uh, these dudes saw me, and they had suits on, and they had signs about how I was going to have hell, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, all right, and I was trying to kind of like, you know, do one of these avoid them things, and they just chased me down, and they're like, do you know Jesus? And I was a follower of Jesus, so I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm with you. And they're like, no, you don't. I was like, yeah, I do. And then they started yelling at me and, and telling me their testimony, and it was crazy. And, and if that happens to you, it's weird, right? We don't win people into the kingdom when we're weird most of the time. Sometimes God's just gracious, <laughs> right? But, but, like, that's not how it normally happens. The way it happens is practical, right? And so here's four ways. So number one, hearing. And these are going to actually be all H's, all H words for you because I'm a preacher today, all right? So number one is hearing. And what I mean by that is hearing from God and hearing from others, right? First of all, hearing from God, we need to start with the posture of listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying and listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing, so, like, every time that I encounter someone, I, I want to have one ear to them, but also one ear to the Holy Spirit. Like, what is the Holy Spirit saying about this person? And what are some things that maybe I could be attentive to? So we have to have a posture about that, of just hearing. And, and that's actually how Jesus did ministry, right? In, in John chapter 5, and we know this passage a lot in the vineyard, we talk about it all the time, is that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And so he was constantly aware of, of how the... The Spirit was at work. And so we need to do ministry the same way. And so if you want to create opportunities to share your story, you need to listen. Because it goes like this. You're sitting with somebody, and the Holy Spirit might tell you not to say your story at that moment. But a couple weeks later will say, now's the time. And it's like all of a sudden there was once a wall around that person's heart. But all of a sudden there's just an openness because they've experienced some brokenness recently. And they really want to hear what God's done in your life. So we need to start with that posture of hearing. Hearing from God and then, and then listening to others. And listening to others is, is really important too. But just start with listening to God. Hearing God. In fact, I want to ask my friend John. John's got a quick testimony. This is my friend John for now. Anybody give him a hand? He's. you he guys like his beard? We're working on, on, on the Vineyard Beard Club right now. Our, our wives love them. Yes. So today... Um,
1: I just was talking to Luke about hearing from God. Um, a couple weeks ago, I received some prayer. Somebody said, you're not, you know, they sensed that I wasn't really hearing from God. And it wasn't me that wasn't wanting to hear from God. It was something else. And on Thursday, I'm sitting at work, and all of a sudden, poof, it popped into my head why I wasn't hearing from God. Um, Twelve, thirteen years ago, I'm at a retreat. And uh, God was speaking to me during the time of worship to go tell this um, specific person that I love them and God loves them and I'm like okay okay whatever I'll do it I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it later the next day the lady passed away and you know it was kind of like I'm like it was like really hard because you know I'm like okay God told me to do this and I missed that opportunity but then yet you know praying about it God is you know there's just a lot of freedom there because now it's like okay God I know you're still there I know that you're giving me the second chance and you know what? I'm not missing any more opportunities to do it. So I encourage you that if you hear from God, you know, it might be scary, but just step out of that comfort zone. Step out of your box and be faithful to what he has to say.
0: Thanks. Hey, you know what? Um, is there anybody here who just sometimes feels like it's hard hearing from God? Is it okay? Is there anybody that feels that way? Yeah. John, would you just pray for us? Let's, let's just do this. Let's just pray for a minute and, and ask God to, to begin speaking to us. Go ahead.
1: Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come and that you take the earmuffs off, take the blinders off so that we can hear you more clearly and see your vision for us more clearly, God. And give us the awareness of when it is you that is speaking to us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just come and you and you just give us the peace and the knowledge to know when you are there.
0: Amen. Thanks. So hearing from God is really important. And, and when John was sharing that story with me, I was just thinking about how what that just demonstrates and illustrates for us is just the importance of responding to when God speaks to us, right? Because we don't know. We don't know. But it, but it really is, is valuable to do that. So a, a practical way to create opportunities um, to share your story with other people is to is to listen to hear god and listen to what other people are sharing another way and this is what i want to camp out on is hospitality hospitality is one of the most practical and effective ways to share create opportunities to share your story that's actually why i'm doing what i'm doing now it's because some people invited me into their home and just loved on me and welcomed me and discipled me and shared their stories, and then also answered all the questions that I had. And sometimes they didn't have good answers, and sometimes they didn't know answers, but they were there. Romans fifteen seven, Paul says, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Other translations say, welcome others as Christ has welcomed you. And what is more gracious and attractive than generous hospitality? Right? I mean, it's just crazy how uh, spending time just eating together and, and hanging out, uh, creates opportunities. In fact, um, you know what I found as a pastor is, like, when I want when I'm having a meeting with somebody, I'm like, "Hey, come come to my office." You know how people feel? They feel like they're going to the principal's office. <laughs> Serious, like they're waiting for me to like yell at them or something. I'm like, I just wanted to hang out with you. You know. So what I found is is for me, it's way more effective to have people just come to my house. Like just just hang out, have a cup of coffee. And then you actually have more pastoral or more missional opportunities around a dinner table than you ever would sitting in an office at a church, right? Because it's like normal, right? People don't like, well, let's go meet at a church office somewhere. <laughs> That's weird. But going out and having a, a meal with somebody is really practical. So what that looks like when, it ta- when we talk about hospitality is giving people like words of affirmation because our society is, is a really negative culture, People don't hear words of affirmation all the time. So just being positive around people and telling them the things that you enjoy about them can be, can be very, very helpful. But I, I want you to just hone in on this hospitality thing, okay, because I think there's something here for you. And as I was praying and thinking about what God wanted you to hear, this was a big part of, of what I think that God's wanting to invite you into is to the world of hospitality even more than you already are. See, I think we can learn a lot about Christianity and why Christianity spread so quickly in, in the ancient world by camping out and thinking about hospitality. Okay? Because this is what's crazy, as you study history, um, so what we what we know, and this is just quick, you know, synopsis, is that Jesus is born and he's he lives for about 30 years without sin. He's you know just a normal human being, but he's sinless, he's he's the son of God, and around 30 years old, he starts his public ministry. And he starts going out and and doing the things of the kingdom. He's proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And then after about three years, he's he's tried um, as a criminal, even though he was innocent, and he's killed on a cross. And three days after he died, he was raised from the dead. And then his followers, who at first, like scattered, the Holy Spirit comes into the picture, and then they gather, and then they go out. And, and, and in the first century, the Roman Empire was dominated by, by one religion, and it was the, 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 basically it was polytheism. I mean, they worshipped just tons of gods, and they had the pantheon, and, and they also worshipped the, the emperor, and that was the religion. Okay, and, and, and by the end of the first and second century, it was basically illegal to be a Christian, and, and Christians were being killed all over. But guess what kept happening? They kept spreading, right? It's like they were not going to, you couldn't stop it. You could not stop the early church. They just kept expanding and expanding. So by the 4th century, this is in the, around 325, I think we'll see, um, there's a Roman emperor named Julian. And this is really helpful for us. Uh, just to think about how Christianity spread. Because what he saw was that the church was expanding so quickly that he started writing, like, um, uh, pronouncements about how, how the Roman Empire should deal with the Christians, all right? And I just have found, and this is just my opinion, I find that we can learn a lot about Christianity and our faith by listening to what non-Christians say about us. Have any of you ever found that to be true? Yeah. Right? It's like, it's interesting hearing what other, what other people say about us. So this is what Julian writes. I quote, he says, We must pay special attention to this point, and by this means effect a cure for the sickness of Christianity. For when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, then I think the impious Galileans, or the Christians, observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. And they have gained ascendancy in the worst of the deeds through the credit they win for such practices. For just as those who entice children with the cake, and by throwing it to them two or three times, induce them to follow them, and then, when they are far away from their friends, cast them on board a ship and sell them as slaves, by the same method, I say, the Galileans also begin with their so-called love feast, or hospitality, or service of tables. For they have many ways of carrying it out, and hence call it by many names." And the result is that they have led very many into atheism. And they called it atheism because they only worshipped one God. But do you see how the, the Roman emperor Julian saw that because the Christians were so friendly, so hospitable, it was actually winning all the entire Roman Empire into the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say this, this is hilarious. He, he, he actually issued a decree that the Roman citizens should do the same. He says, Why do we not observe that it is their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and the pretended holiness of their lives that have done most to increase atheism or Christianity? I believe that we ought really and truly to practice every one of those virtues. For it is a disgraceful that when the impious Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours as well, all men see that our people lack aid from us. Julian's decree actually didn't work because there was no foundation or no framework for them to work from, but we have one. Welcome others as Christ has welcomed you, right? Love others as Christ has loved you. We serve other people as Christ has served us, and so your hospitality is powerful. It really is. Sitting around a table is, is one way to be on mission for Jesus. In fact, Michael Frost goes on to say this. He says, Christians devoted themselves to sacrificial acts of kindness. They loved their enemies and forgave their persecutors. They cared for the poor and fed the hungry. In the brutality of life under Roman rule, they were the most stunningly different people anyone had ever seen. And I think Jesus is calling South Suburban Vineyard Church to be the most stunningly different people that this community has ever seen. Truly. And I, I think Jesus is a good example, too, for us. You know, Jesus' mission, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. That's his mission, right? His mission is to seek and save those who are lost. But what was Jesus' missional strategy? He says, the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. As you study the Gospel of Luke, which is one of my favorite Gospels because of its name, right? Sweet name. But the Gospel of Luke, what you see in the Gospel of Luke is Jesus is either coming from a meeting of a meal, going to a meal, or he's on his way to a meal. I mean, the Gospel of Luke can actually be studied through the, through the lens of just meals. It's a theology of food. And it's Jesus using the dining room table on mission. And so here's what, I, here's what I'm getting at, is let communion proceed let communion proceed like being, being a member of the church, right? We, we, we see that all the time. Let, let communion proceed conversion. Or one way I like to talk about it in our church is the idea of belonging before people believe. People belong before they believe. And, and so as I, as I envision you guys going out and, and you're hearing and now you're showing hospitality, you know what you have is people coming around and into your home. And they're just spending time eating and drinking and asking questions. And, and as you do that, you create opportunities to share your faith and share how Jesus has totally changed and transformed your life. Two last ones really quickly. Um, the third one is hobby. Hobby together. So it's a really easy way and it's fun to create opportunities to form relationships. Here's how I did it, okay? So I'm getting spiritual direction from somebody because I needed some help and like reminding me why I do what I do. And uh, and, he, and what he was telling me, he's like, you need to get some hobbies. And I was like, I have hobbies. Oh, really? What are they? I read theology books, and I hang out at my church, and I write theology blogs. And he's like, do you have any hobbies that are not related to the church? And I was like, I write blogs for theology, and I read theology books. And he's, he said, you need to get some hobbies that are like not Church stuff, and I was like, "But I like that." (laughs) He's like, "It's not good for you." I was like, "All right." So I bought a snowmobile because I want to go really fast. All right, and I and I got a good deal on one. And so I was actually, I was I was going to pick up chicken. I didn't tell you guys about this, but I went to go pick up some chicken at this. uh, There's like this bar slash chicken spot, and I'm sitting there waiting for my chicken. And there's like 30 guys at the bar, and I and they were talking about snowmobiles. So I was like, "Hey." Like, I just bought a snowmobile. You know, do you guys have any recommendations? Like, where do I go? You know, I got the snowmobile. What do I do with it? And like every single person in, around this bar started telling me all the trails and how to do it. And then three guys were like, hey, I'd love to take you out here. Let me get your phone number. And they gave me their phone numbers. And the whole time I'm like, <laughs> missing all opportunity. And my plan now is to basically join the snowmobile club not because I really care about any of that stuff. What I am caring about is creating relationships and hobbying with these guys and having opportunities to share my faith with them, right? And and that's my ultimate goal, but I'm also looking at creating authentic relationships because these guys are cool. I like to spend time with them. I like to get to know them and and hear their stories and then hopefully share my story. So hobbying together is a really, really great way to to missionally, strategically plan to create relationships, right? Right? So what are some hobbies that you like? Just throw some out. Playing basketball, it's one. What, what else? Gardening. Gardening. Whoever said where, who said that? Gardening, it's great. What else? Racing motorcycles. Okay, racing motorcycles. Ah, my man. What else? Board games. Musical instruments. Yeah, board games. Catan? All right. Scrapbook. Oh, that's awesome. I like, I tried that once. I was bad at it. <laughs> what else? What are some other hobbies? That you can use on mission. Workouts. Workouts, That's great. Yeah. So you guys already know this. All right. Moving on. Number four. This is the most important thing I think for us to have in the back of our mind is hope. Creating opportunities to share your story starts with hearing from God and hearing hearing the people you're talking to. Hospitality. um, Hobbying together. And then hope. And what I mean by that is sharing hope. Peter says, if anyone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Listen, here's the bottom line, and I know you guys all know this. Every every person, man, woman, in this room knows that this is the truth, is that our world is pretty dang hopeless, right? I mean, like, I, I meet with people all the time who are not followers of Jesus who have no hope. And even the people that think that they're okay, eventually they will open up to you and share with you that they're not okay. You know, I I have had so many relationships over the years with people who are like, ah, that Jesus stuff's good for you because, you know, you're a weaker person. And I'm like, exactly, that's true. But, you know, right now, you know, that person will say things like, you know, it's good for you, but I don't really need that. I'm just, I'm doing good right now. I have... I've got, you know, 150000 in the bank, and I'm like, can we talk later about that? And then they're like, well, I got cars, and they have all these different things, right, that's, that's making their life happy. But you know what? Money will not solve all your problems, right? And, and the, only, the only solution and answer to the world's complex questions and problems is Jesus. It's Jesus. So I, I think as we, as we are you know, centering ourselves on the hope that lies within us, Christ Jesus, as we center ourselves on that hope, we have to be ready to share that hope with people as we create relationship opportunities, because the world really is hopeless. And that is the beauty, I think, of the Vineyard Movement. I love the Vineyard because, and this is not a, I love the, I love many other churches and denominations too, but the things I love about the Vineyard is that we have a holistic approach to hope, because we believe that healing happens mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Like, we want to see healing holistically. And that's the hope that we have for people, right? Is that Jesus can actually heal you. Jesus can actually touch you. So would you guys stand with me? And um, I want to pray for you. You know, the people, the, the church is the people of God who who knows the story that they're a part of that's that's one way I like to define the church okay and so i mean like god's been god's been doing things in this community way before you ever came into the picture but he's still doing things now that you're in the picture and i believe with all of my heart that god wants to use this church to make a huge difference in this community around you. I mean, I just, I sense it as I'm here. I mean, is, is there, is that right? Like, you guys have a missional lean here. The things that you do as a church are because you want to see people come to know Jesus. Right? Amen? Are you awake? <laughs> so let's just pray for a minute. And I want to just invite the Lord to, to maybe speak to a few of you right now Right before we just sing a, a couple more songs, um, just about this. And so um, if you are, are wanting to maybe connect more with God's mission, i just invite you to, one of the things we like to do in the vineyard is just lift our hands like this, like we're receiving a gift. And so I just invite you to do that. And, and so Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for the people in this room right now who are here for a reason. I thank you, Lord, that you have called them by name, that you deeply love them, that you want to pour into them your love. But, Father, that you also want to compel this congregation to be sent on mission, your mission, to make you known. And so, Father, I pray that as, as the weeks go on, as the days come, come into our lives, Lord, that we would take opportunity to bless other people, to love other people, to share with other people, that we we would listen, we would hear, we would create opportunities of hospitality, that we would see our hobbies as ways to create authentic relationships, and that we would, above all, have a deep hope in you and share that hope with the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name.